Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Steve Friedman. Uh, Steve Friedman is an author. He's won numerous writing awards and he's written a number of books, including The Best of Modern Love and The Bastard on the Couch, particularly relevant perhaps for us today. And he was the first writer of the very first Modern Love published in the New York Times. Welcome, Steve Friedman. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Catherine. Great to be on your show. Thanks for having me. And I know one of the things that you do is to help people write through a divorce and maybe other difficult transitions in their lives, even for people who don't think of themselves as writer. How is writing helpful to help people make a transition through something that's going on in their lives? Well, that's a great question. I, and one of the goals of this particular writing workshop I do, which is telling your story focused on, um, it's been exclusively women who have, are divorcing or have been through divorces. It brings the kind of demands of narrative, of storytelling to what's usually a pretty painful experience. So demands like specificity, not leaving things out moving from general to specific and by kind of, you know, forcing is probably too strong a word, but you know, it's, it's always in the context of a community of, of other women who have gone through or are going through this by asking everyone to tell their story. And they tell it numerous times over a weekend. These stories tend to evolve from very kind of what's well, a much more useful and it seems real and more balanced ways of looking at our lives. So some people will come in and, you know, their basic story sometimes is I'm incapable of love or all men are sociopaths or the world is unspeakably cruel or just something really self-defeating. And by the end, just really by using the demands of storytelling, you know, it's like, okay, tell us what happened. What's the chronology and what specifically happened? You know, everyone comes to realize, oh, I was involved in a relationship. Relationships are complicated and messy. It was bad behavior, maybe by him, maybe by me, usually by both of us. This is what I brought. This is what I imprint. And usually it ends up, you know, again, through the demands of writing and storytelling, people can usually come out with a, uh, a much more clear idea of what they've been through and what they're going through. You know, it's really interesting because as you're talking and I'm thinking about what you mean by the demands of storytelling, I'm, I'm wondering mm-hmm. if what you're saying is that somehow or other through the narrative and through the structure of the writing process, there's a sort of an organization that comes from the chaos that someone might be experiencing. Is that right? That's exactly right. And, you know, that's one of the, I mean, forgetting divorce or anything like that, a lot of people say, I happen to agree, you know, narrative is one of the ways that we impose order on what can be a really chaotic universe. I mean, and I, from what I hear, nothing. And my um, secondhand experience, I mean, divorce is pretty chaotic. So again, when someone comes in and is just basically grief stricken or angry or hopeless, it's like, okay, the first step is, all right, what happened? You know, chronologically, what's the story? And, and you said what? And this happened, what happened? And, and it does impose some order. And sometimes, I think oftentimes, you know, we're usually the worst 
judges, we tell ourselves stories a lot, is the story doesn't make sense to the other people who are listening. And some of the exercises we do is someone will tell the story of their divorce and then we'll go around and it'll be like, well, you know, Sue, what did you think of um, anything seemed to be missing from Mary's account? And usually there are missing things. And, you know, and everyone learns. I mean, we're all people. We all have pretty similar stories. But exactly. It is a way to impose order on something that can seem really chaotic and unmanageable. And it, and it makes things, you know, by imposing some order, it helps make them manageable, too. So, Steve Freeman, you're talking, I think, about a, a workshop situation where you have a group of people sitting around. And I think mm-hmm. so far, they've, in your experience, it's been a group of women. Why do you think that is? Mm-hmm. That is it that men haven't been invited, that they're less willing or interested in this kind of experience? Well, I think it's a few things. One is, again, I mean, leaving divorce out of it. I teach writing in um, different writing classes. Women tend to take writing classes more. I don't know why that is. And I've taken some fiction writing classes, too. I write a little fiction. I'm usually the only guy in there. I mean, it could be that women are um, more apt to actually want to impose some kind of internal order on a chaotic situation and kind of explore feelings and, and their role in things, whereas men in general, even though it's a broad brush generalization, it's like, okay, time to move on. You know, feeling schmeelings. Uh, again, very broad brush generalization, but um, this particular workshop. And, and Elise Pettis, who runs Untied, the organization. And who's been a is, previous guest on the show. Yeah, and her, her thing is predominantly that her clients are women, so... That just tends to be the way that works out. So, you know, it's interesting because I'm just thinking about the difference between the workshop situation where you have a group of people sitting around and you're giving Mm -hmm. them instruction on how to sort of sort through this. I mean, there's a kind of a therapeutic piece to that because before you respond to that, I can imagine, you know, two people just going for coffee, right? And Mary won't say to Sue or the other way in your example, you know, wait a second, your story doesn't make sense. They're much more likely Mm -hmm. to say, you know, you're right, he is a jerk. (laughs) And so what's the difference in the workshop situation from the coffee situation? Yeah, well, that's a great question. First, I should point out, I am not a therapist. So I think as you sort of indicate this therapy that happens when two friends go to a bar or a coffee shop and talk. The difference is I really push people to say, imagine you are with a friend wherever, and she's telling you my marriage is breaking up and it's because I failed my husband or it's because he's a manipulative narcissist. I mean, and maybe, again, maybe guys are a little more direct. I know I am, but when a friend of mine tells me something like that, I try and be very supportive, but I say, well, what happened? What's the story? Yeah, some of the ground rules I put in are no judgment, you know, no judgment, but also we want to be demanding as editors and storytellers. So if someone comes in, you know, one example I use is someone comes in and this never happens. So this is totally made up. But I married my gay male best friend and the night of the wedding, I had sex with his father And then when I went to a therapist to discuss this, I had an affair with my therapist, male or female. And my takeaway is the world is really out to get me, and I'm a victim. Now, one instinctive emotional reaction might be like, wow, you are nuts, (laughs) which is really, and that's forbidden. And it could be like, well, maybe we should look at your role in all this. And maybe the story is a little, we can expand it a little more. We've all done idiotic things. But so it's a no judgment, but to 
hold people accountable for telling the truth. You know, we hear a story and we can usually, one of the exercises we do is we have someone tell their divorce story, sometimes in 15 words. And then everyone make a list of, okay, what are you curious about that's not in that story? And that seems to be helpful. This is Catherine Miller. You're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. And we're also available on a podcast at www.divorcedialogues.com. I'm talking today with Steve Friedman about the power of essay writing, going through divorce or other, I guess, personal crisis. And we're talking about how powerful that can be and, and how it actually works. So Steve Friedman, you know, I'm thinking that really what people do is they reach a conclusion, right? They have all mm-hmm. these experiences and they reach a conclusion or a judgment about themselves, the other person, mm-hmm. their lives or whatever. And it sounds like this process of breaking it down into a narrative of what happened step by step by step, maybe sort of create some space there for the possibility of a different conclusion. Is that right? Could not have said it better. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, sometimes we, you know, we short circuit. We go to that conclusion first. And the conclusion really isn't supported by what happened. So by breaking it down, taking a closer look, going over it, organizing it into a story, we do reach a different conclusion. And almost without exception, the conclusion seems to be after some of these exercises and kind of going over the story, the conclusion seems to leave people with a more nuanced, balanced, healthier place. Let's move forward a little, feeling a little less burdened. That's the hope anyway, and that's been the case much of the time. I know that in my own personal life, when I'm going through really difficult things, I will, and I'm not a journaler normally, but when I was getting divorced and when I've had other things going on in my life, when I was really trying to sort it out, I found that the writing itself really helped a lot. I certainly wouldn't ever want to go back and reread, and I've instructed my husband he should burn all of these journals in the event. (laughs) anything ever happens to me without looking at them and certainly without letting my children read them. But how is this sort of structured kind of essay writing different than just writing a journal? Well, it's the therapeutic, the cathartic part of it is exactly the same. That's the first step in this workshop. Just getting it down really is, as you say, and that's been, I think, pretty old wisdom that uh, by doing that, it really helps people get some clarity and unburden. And then we look at it. That's the, we take the next step. We look at it and it's like, okay, are you telling yourself something that really happened? Or is this, if we look at it and listen to you tell it, is it something that isn't really what happened? Is your conclusion not really fitting with the facts of your story? So it allows, it just allows everyone to examine and turn it over a little bit what they've written. But just the writing, you know, solitary, if you're a hermit, just the writing helps. I, I totally agree with that. This just takes it a few steps beyond that. And so th- then what happens? So they, they write the sort of chronology, and, mm-hmm. and, and what's the next step? Well, then we'll do some exercises on it. We'll do a, um, you know, we'll have everyone weigh in on, well, what do we think's missing? And then it might be, if it's a very sad thing, we might say, okay, now we're going to take half an hour and write it, make it a comedy, just to see how perspective can really shift how you tell a story. And then it might be, okay, now put that story aside, write down the most shameful, horrible thing you could never admit to anyone that was involved in this story that's not in the story. Just put it on a piece of paper. Put that aside. Then we'll go on later. And we'll only volunteers. Does anyone want to share what that is? 
and usually everyone does. <laughs> and that really changes the story. And then it's going to be like, okay, well, how would your story be different if that were in there? And then it's like, what's the most horrible thing your partner did that's not in the story? And again, you don't have to say it, but then we'll ask the volunteers. And then, okay, if that were in the story, what would that change? Write this story from the point of view of the husband or the wife of a couple that, that you hung out with as a couple. I think it just helps with clarity by examining these narratives, these stories from different perspectives. Or another thing is we'll say when someone has a conclusive sentence somewhere in the story, you know, he never really appreciated me. Let's unpack that. And then it'll be, we'll have everyone sit around and say, okay, everyone write three examples of what you think that might mean. Like in real life, what does that mean? And then we'll come, everyone will guess, and usually everyone's wildly wrong. Or this, that. And there was one woman, who's, my husband never appreciated me. He's like, well, what does that mean? Well, he would always buy her shoes, high heels, three sizes too small, because that was his fetish, you know. And she came to realize her role was she didn't like it. She didn't want to do it, but she kept doing it. And then, you know, she got clarity. She's like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, good for her, I would say. So anyway, that's a long answer. To that. But those are some of the exercises we do. And then... It's evolved because some of my writing workshops are very intensive on language and structure and the right word. And there's just, this is so kind of emotionally packed. We're spending less time on the finer points of the craft of writing and more on the overall story. What have been some of the biggest surprises for you that have come out of the workshops? Um, one of the big surprises is how much it seems to me that women really have taken on a disproportionate share of the blame for problems in a relationship. What do you blame yourself most for? And it's just some of these guys were doing just horrible stuff. And it's like, well, not being more supportive or not being this. Or and I feel like saying, man, some of these guys would, well, I don't want to use the language, but like you have nothing to apologize for. So that's <laughs> been a surprise. So just and just that, to let me just understand what you're saying. I think what you're saying is that it's been a surprise to you and maybe to you as a man to realize how often or how much some women will take on responsibility for what's clearly not their responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, well, you know, he's going, he's doing this, he's doing that. <laughs> a friend of mine who I saw recently, her husband, very high powered, very visible thing. And he was telling her, look, you know, basically infidelity and cheating and threesomes and this and that, that really kind of informs my work. I, you really have to understand that's important to my work. And I laughed and she was a little insulted. Like any guy could say that, any person could say that. And it's like, fine, if that informs their work and they want to do that, that's fine. And then you have to make a decision whether you want to be part of that partnership. But <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it informs my work. I don't know. Sorry, that's, Kinda. That surprised you. <laughs> it just seems very bold. Yeah. It's pleasing, yeah. And, you know, what the other surprising thing is how the great distance people can go in a pretty short time. And they really do. It's been really um, rewarding to see people say, oh, yeah, now I really see what I've been going through in different ways. You know, some people have um, developed more balanced or peaceful relationships with exes. Some people have decided I'm going to go ahead and get a divorce. Some, you know, this, but most of the people have come out of it happier. And then the other thing I heard in a different context is, 
a lot of people come in and there is some shame. And, you know, one thing I always say, I heard somewhere else, if, if there's words to describe what you've been through, it means someone else has been through it. You know, there's a sign of a sort of relief and joy and, and everyone realizing, you know, I'm not alone. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. yeah. You're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 530, or perhaps you're listening on the podcast, which is available at divorcedialogues.com as well as on SoundCloud and iTunes. And I'm talking today with Steve Friedman, who hosts these uh, weekend workshops, Divorce Breakups and New Beginnings. And we're talking about his experiences teaching that course and how it's been helpful to women. But Steve, you're also, well, let me give you the opportunity to give our listeners more information about the workshops and yourself. Where can they find sure. out more? Well, the the workshop is taught under the auspices of untied.net, which has a website. And if you go to the events page on that website, you'll find the one I teach, which is telling your story. It's on March 8th, that's the next one. And that's by, I teach other essay and other writing things. And then mostly I make my living as a writer, books, magazines. And my website is Steve Friedman, that's S-T-E-V-E-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N dot net. And you can see my books there and my magazine stories and contact information and all that kind of stuff. How I've gone through this in a different context is I did write the very first Modern Love, and it was about my girlfriend who dumped me. And I, when I started writing it, it was going to be a portrait of me, innocent, martyred victim, and her, you know, vengeful harpy. And then as I wrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it and looked at it, it turned out to be like, man, I was like sort of an idiot, kind of a childish, teletubby-ish, clueless guy. You know, we were both doing our best. But what started as this kind of pre-decor ended up as kind of a comedy, a sad comedy. But, you know, there's just so, I think there's just so much we can learn by writing our story and having other people give us feedback. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's really, it really gives you an opportunity to kind of rework it and rethink it and focus on each element in its own piece mm-hmm. and, and kind of put them together in different ways. What would you say that you've learned about love as part of this process? <laughs> um, I'm just laughing because there's a lot I think we all still have to learn about love. Well, it's it's messy, it's complicated. I think one thing I've learned about love in this context and probably a lot of our other contexts is that kind of white hot stranger across a crowded room, instant attraction, this is it forever, doesn't mean a whole lot beyond there's, oh, there's some chemistry here. It's not necessarily a good portent of what's to come. And it might be a sort of a orangish, if not red flag, that um, long-standing relationships seem to take a lot more than just instant chemistry. Well, what about the instant chemistry? Because some people, at least in my office, will say, well, we never really had a sort of connection like that. We really never had chemistry, right? And and other, and so when here we are, X many years later, you know, finally deciding to come apart because it never really gelled for us. And other people come in and they're like, well, we were like super hot, passionate, you know, and that just kind of wore off for, over a period of time. And obviously, the people who come into my office to get a divorce, you know, may not be a complete sampling of society. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think about that? Is there some kind of middle ground? Boy, I, I don't know. Chemistry is great. 
I think chemistry is great. And I think if chemistry is never developed, that's sad. But I don't know many people, even with the instant chemistry, I don't know many married couples who, even those who have that burning intensity at first, where that is sustained. But yeah, there's got to be chemistry, but I think it can develop. It can be there at first, it can develop, but just because it's there at first doesn't mean that's going to be a happy marriage. I guess that's that's the one thing I've learned. And we're coming to the end of the show, but I'm just wondering, you've done these workshops, you've written the Modern Love column, you know, you've thought a lot about this and you've worked with a lot of people um, on issues around love and breaking up. What do you think of the idea of soulmates? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I think the older and wiser I've gotten, I'm not, I think, I think a lot of it's more of a, a choice we make. Um, I, I'm not so. I think there's probably a handful of soulmates for everyone, but a lot of it really demands self-knowledge, work on ourselves, a lot of giving. Um, I don't think anyone's the answer for anyone else. You know, it's interesting, maybe uh, just in the last few seconds, as we live our lives, we can do it like we're writing a story and, and look at each piece in a sort of proactive way rather than reactive. What do you think about that? I totally agree with that. I Steve Freeman. absolutely right. Steve Freeman, thank you so much for being our guest on Dialogue on Divorce. Thanks, Kevin. That was a pleasure. I appreciate it. 